Experience the beauty and emotion of Lent and Easter with Christianity Today's newest devotional, Easter, in the everyday. Thoughtful readings from a variety of pastors, theologians, and writers invite you into the emotional stages of Christ's journey, from humility to hope to love. Beginning on Ash Wednesday and ending at Pentecost, this digital devotional is perfect for individual or group study. Get it today at orderct.com slash easter24. Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. My point here is, and, and this is really why I wanted you to talk about this and to talk about it from a cultural engagement standpoint, is to have us think about and reflect on what it is that the arts is designed to do, what it is that the artist is called to do, and that the artist is called to do it oftentimes in ways that isn't explicit but implicit because of what he's driving at. He's driving at a participation and he's driving at a reflection about the mirroring of life or life's potential uh, in such a way that the person isn't told oftentimes but is shown. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and it's showing whether we're talking about video or we're talking about words. What you're doing is you're trying to show the person through the expression and get them to think about things perhaps in ways they haven't thought about it before. Yes. Is that fair? Yes. I, I want to, as an artist, we've used the word reflection a lot. Mm-hmm. And a reflection is a bounce back mechanism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to do what I think, I want to emulate the Lord Jesus in his life here on earth. So I start there. I say, if I look at the life of the Lord Jesus, what, what, how does that apply to me as an artist, the way that he's wired me? In the book of John, there are several occurrences where Jesus says, um, he says, you know, I never speak anything that I don't hear the Father speak first. I don't do anything that I don't see the Father do first. He is completely dependent on the Father, and he is absolutely and, and accurately reflective of the Father. But it is not in a way that I think is uh, when we would think about like if Jesus was in in the carpenter shop and Joseph is showing him how to cut a board, and Joseph says, "Okay, son, this is how you cut a board like this," and Jesus watches him and he copies him. It's not that in relation to Jesus and his Father. It is a mirror, and that is a, the closest word that I can come is mimesis. Is the Greek word mimesis? It is a mirroring theologically. So because when you're in a mirror and you see movement, who moved first? Well, it's 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 at the same time. They move mm-hmm. at the same time. You can't separate them in time, and you can't separate them in purpose or function. So you see, the, the when, when the Father moves, Jesus moves. When the Father speaks, Jesus speaks. But it's not a look and copy. It is they are so one, so much one, that when one moves, the other moves. And what does Jesus pray for us in John 17? That we may be one even as he and the Father are one. Not that we may become God, but that we may become one in purpose and so so immersed in the character of our Lord Jesus that when he moves, we are motivated to move. But here, here's a question that comes up that, that I think gets at, at kind of the core of the challenge at the same time. When you do art and when you talk about life and life is messy – 
there's a lot of there's a lot of bad there's a lot of yeah. evil that kind of thing you know most people when they think of christian art think about a very if i can i i can only describe what i what i'm going for here uh, a very pristine a very pure a very puritan kind of story okay but the problem is if that's the only thing you're writing about um you're not engaged yeah, with the right. world in which people live. So, so sometimes I hear Christians say, well, um, Christians shouldn't read this book because it has this kind of immorality in it. Mm-hmm. Okay, Now, how do we – in thinking about art, how do we sort that you – know, I'll, I'll take a simple one that everyone has to go through probably when they go through elementary school, the Scarlet Letter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great piece of literature, mm-hmm. uh, challenging people to rethink how they think about the adulterer. Mm-hmm. Okay, you talk about reframing a moral perspective mm-hmm. in a book that's had impact, and almost anyone who's in any uh, middle school or upper school English program is going to read that as one of the great novels ever written in America mm-hmm. for the for not the, only thematically but, but aesthetically. Aesthetically, the, the whole it, it's the whole shooting match, that right. kind of thing. But it's. It's in the middle of the messiness of life, mm-hmm. if I can say it that mm-hmm. way. Um, I'll ask it this way. Uh, you're a Christian parent, and your school assigns your middle-aged child the scarlet letter. Um, are you going to go to the school and say, I don't want my child reading that because of the subject matter, or are you, you going to handle that a different way? How do you deal with the art that's involved in something like that? I try to teach my kids that that as my mentor here john reed was fond of saying all of life is an adjustment and you adjust based on the maturity level of the kid not no two children are the same you you adjust uh based on the the principle that if exposure to a piece of literature would tempt child a to sin in that way, if you know your child and mm-hmm. you know that exposure to that literature would open a door for temptation, you've got a serious decision to make because you've got. If you allow the child to encounter that literature, then you've got to be having ongoing conversations with that child and probably with that child's teacher, even if the teacher is a secular teacher. Mm-hmm. But the 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 goal that I tried to get across to my now grown children, same ages as yours, that's right, uh, uh, was that. They needed to be prepared when life, which is not scripted, mm-hmm. presents you with an impromptu And is not pristine. Moment, and is not pristine. It's yeah. messy. Yeah. So that, let me let me. Th- this is this is how I got it across to my kids. Mm-hmm. There's a great. There's a uh, probably the greatest uh, Russian director ever in the history of the world, Konstantin Stanislavsky. I mean, the guy the guy is just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Lived at the end of the nineteenth century into the 20, early twentieth. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform.
Stanislavski had a, a, a thing that he called, that we wound up calling method acting. Mm-hmm. And what the, uh, the basic idea is the more completely, the more fully you are immersed in the character that you are portraying, then when an unexpected event happens on a stage where it is scripted, mm-hmm. you will have been so immersed in that character that you will respond appropriately to that character. That's your adjustment. That's your adjustment. Mm-hmm. Well, all of life is an adjustment. Mm-hmm. All of life is impromptu. We don't have a script. Mm-hmm. So if the key to an appropriate response to Scarlet Letter or, or uh, Les Mis or whatever – artistic thing comes into your life is to is to say i i want to be so immersed in the character of christ that when presented with an opportunity to provide an improv an improvisational answer it will be consistent with the character of the one with whom i am identified so i will reveal christ in all of these impromptu situations no matter how messy they are so that ultimately the circumstance ceases to matter Ultimately, the, the circumstance, I don't allow the circumstance to dictate my response. My response comes to whatever circumstance based upon my identity in Christ. In fact, immaturity is, is probably the ability to deal with whatever gets dealt you in a way. Absolutely. That's why Paul could say, I'm, I've learned to be content with little or with a lot. It, the circumstance didn't really matter for him. It was his identity in Christ. Okay, I have one final direction I want to go, because a lot of what we've done in this, uh, and it's just the way the conversation has gone, is kind of pitted Christianity and the world almost at odds with one another in the mm-hmm. midst of the arts. But I think it's fair to say that, um, that the arts, and I'm talking about the arts in general now, not Christian mm-hmm. artistic efforts, um, ha- has been a source of terrific inspiration over over the years, whether you think about music or you think about painting or whatever, there are moments that come out of, um, of I want to say, uh, a human being's made in the image of God depiction of what life is really like mm. that really shine through. The, the thing that's been in the back of my head that I want to ask you about is a movie like Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is it that makes Schindler's List or a movie like Schindler's List so uh, drawing? And, 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 and what it is is we, we – you talk about uh, uh, an event portrayed in the midst of a messy human situation. Mm-hmm. There probably has not been as messy a situation as the, as the Holocaust mm-hmm. in, in, um, in our recent life's memory. And yet out of this shines uh, this, this – this level of human engagement in the midst of all this mess that's going on around mm-hmm. that is powerfully portrayed. Isn't it true that, that art, when, it, when it's done well, whether it's coming from a Christian perspective or, or outside a Christian perspective, um, illumines the human condition in such a way that we are either inspired or caused to reflect in a way that 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 makes us think about how we should be better people. Absolutely, there and and it doesn't. The art doesn't have to be produced by a Christian to have that effect. Uh, it can be produced by um, a Caravaggio. Uh, we can look at a Caravaggio and the conversion of Saint Paul. My of, daughter's of favorite artist. It's, I, really, she, she was an art. She was an art history major, not Elisa, but Laura, and uh, and uh, she was an art history hmm. major. That's her. That's her favorite artist. He's he is the greatest Baroque artist out there, mm-hmm. I, or was out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, drunken reprobate to the day he died, as far as we know, but had the ability because he because God had so gifted him to recognize the truth and translate that truth onto a canvas. Mm-hmm. 
although he never bent the knee to Christ, as far as we know, mm-hmm. there is one thin hope because the only, just as a side note, the mm-hmm. only painting that he signed is the beheading of John. Hmm. And he signed it, he signed his name in the blood of John the Baptist that's on the floor of the prison. It's the only painting he signed. Hmm. And some people are saying there may have been, it was one of the last ones he did as well. Hmm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. We will see Caravaggio. I hope so. That's yeah. a thin thread to yeah. hang our hopes on. <laughs> but he he had that ability. Tchaikovsky had that ability uh, to to translate his, his passions, which were uh, sometimes uh, homoerotic, mm-hmm. uh, into pieces of music that you would play on Good Friday. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're gorgeous pieces of music. If you do, <laughs> Once you find out the context in which the music was composed, some of my students have a little bit of pause to say, mm-hmm. well, I'm not sure that I would really use that. And mm-hmm. I said, why not? Redeem it. Mm-hmm. It's beauty. It's truth. Mm-hmm. Take it in and and use it to glorify God. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that, that uh, when, when you talk about something like Schindler's List and something that employs so many of the archetypes that we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. so many of them, the little girl in the, sing, the single piece of color, that red coat, just brilliantly conceived and brilliantly placed and used, I thought, you still have the invasion of a, of a worldview with which we wouldn't agree. Mm-hmm. I know the I know the line uh, producer for Schindler's List. His name is Jerry Mullen. And there was one scene, a questionable scene in the, in the movie, in the whole context of the movie, that, that Jerry and other people on the production staff felt did not need to be include, included in order to make the movie work. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and uh, the director, uh, Mr. Spielberg, insisted that it did, and they left it in. And I think the movie is worse for it. It mm-hmm. would have been better had that scene been shot mm-hmm. in a different way. When you when you use a scene like that, when you compromise your moral integrity in, in, in an effort to make that work, it helps the actor or the director who's a young Christian and doesn't know whether or not they really want to follow through with this mm-hmm. to say, okay, would I – would I ask my daughter to play this scene? Mm-hmm. Would I feel comfortable with my wife seeing this scene? Mm-hmm. And if nothing else, that will often put a hedge around the kind of material that we would that we would shoot. I would never ask a, a woman or a young man to perform in scenes like that that mm-hmm. would that would force them to compromise their uh, integrity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I hope we've communicated a little bit of the challenge of what's involved in the arts and what we've done and said today. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else that you'd like to – I'm going to ask the standard journalistic question at the end of a long interview like this. <laughs> is there anything that I haven't said or we haven't covered that you would you would like to say about the arts, or, or is there a way you'd summarize what we've talked about that would help well, people think through the arts and, and cultural engagement? I think that uh – I would get a book by Frank Gabeline to start out. If you're looking to start out and, and you're a young artist or you're, you're an old middle-aged artist or an older artist and, and you're really serious about reflecting a Christian worldview in your art, I would start out with a book by Frank Gabeline. It's edited by Bruce Lockerbie. It's called The Christian, the Arts, and Truth. And it will get you a good base, biblically and theologically, for launching into the murky waters of how to decide what to do, how to do it, and it, but it will be crystal clear that whatever we do, we do it all for the glory of God. 
Well, thank you, Reg, for being in with us, and we thank you for joining us at the table today uh, where our topic has been arts and cultural engagement. And I hope that this has been enlightening to you and that uh, you have come to see that arts is far more than just entertainment. Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well. Love well.